11 o'clock comics, episode 56. Eddie Campbell's on. Woohoo! Woohoo! Dramatization of last week. <laughs> Christ. I think I'm ready to go tonight. You guys will have to, you guys will have to calm me down. I'm, I'm, I'm shadow boxing. Ready to go. You're primed. That's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah, if today's any indication, it's going to be a barn burner. So, uh. A lot of people think they're stupid bills this week. I'm not going to buy that because it's because of trend. I, I thought I thought Countdown was stupid, so I'm not going to buy Wednesday Comics. You know, <laughs> you don't deserve Wednesday Comics. Uh, none of us do. I'm just hey. a stupid guy every week. Oh, zing. <laughs> 20 years hey. going strong, buddy. Yeah. Hey, people. Guess what time it is. It's 11 o'clock comics. I am the semi-upbeat Vince B. <laughs> the lying of the, the, the deceitful Vince B. <laughs> the lying out my ass Vince B. <laughs> Just get this fucking thing over with. <laughs> Bringing the happy tonight, folks. That's right. Uh, I'm Chris Neesman, and I'm going to make Jason Wood hate me at some point. Seriously. I'm uh, I'm David Price. I'm here, and uh, I just here. asked a simple fucking question on the forum, and people refuse to answer me. That's all. <laughs> We're all salty tonight. That's and, all. And yes, I am Masashi Kishimoto. Oh, how appropriate. But you're not, really. You're Jason, the lovable Jason Wood. The happy. Big side at the end. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, th- things, things are taking a, a turn for the shitter when Jason's the upbeat <laughs> member. <laughs> really? <laughs> Seriously, I'm... Come on, Vince, I'm Kishimoto-san. Come on. I know, I know, but you're not. You're not. <laughs> I am, though. <laughs> See, I, that's my line. I don't know. I, I can't improvise like Tom Caters. Maybe you are, perhaps. Yeah, I think so. I'm saying maybe, maybe I'll be the next, maybe be the American version. Yeah. I'll be inspired be. to write the American, great American manga. There's a lot of those. And, you know, while we're on the subject of yes. Japanese things, uh, I just want to let everyone know, for those who care, that Big Man Japan is going to open in Los Angeles and New York next Friday, May 15th. In West Los Angeles, California, it's going to be at the New Art Theater. And in New York City, it's going to be at Cinema Village. And it's going to blow up a little bit through uh, May and June. And if you care, you can go to www.magpictures.com, M-A-G-pictures.com, and I'm sure they'll have some kind of schedule on there. Big Man Japan. I derailed things a little bit, but drink roll call. 
Roll call, absolutely. Let's get it over uh, with. David, you go first this week. What are you What are you drinking? Uh, I am still drinking because I started early tonight. Um, oh boy! It's a uh, It's a vineyard in uh, Australia by the name of Lindman's, and I am drinking their Merlot. There you go. Wonderful. Vince, how's the black and tan tonight? It's very tasty. Next, <laughs> uh, Jason. <laughs> Uh, I am actually drinking Yingling Light tonight. You know, that's not so bad for a light it beer. Isn't. No. It isn't. It's, it's way better than that premium shit. Exactly. And, and I guess I lied when I said I, I have never met a Yingling I didn't like, and, and you called it, buddy. That, that premium, ugh. Drinking a lot so of Yingling over the years. It, it's like drinking uh, second-pass urine. It's really bad. <laughs> okay, well. Yeah. <laughs> not that I've ever done that. No, at just least, first pass. At least, not on, at least not, on, not on film. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was the first pass, yeah. yeah. It's fully poisoned. Oh, I am uh, finishing off. Mike Sims was, was so nice as to send me um, uh, a small bottle of Woodford Reserve uh, around Christmas time. And I came home and had one of those days. And I'm going to try and get in a better mood here. But uh, I decided to make a, a, a Manhattan. So I'm having a, a Manhattan with the rest of the, the Mike Sims provided woodford reserve and it's nice so thank you mr sims yeah so that's it are are we gonna are we gonna be happy are we gonna be i don't know gonna we're gonna growl at each other tonight i could go either way i don't know know how much we'll be growling at each other i mean it's just whatever general stupidity that's whatever happens tonight i just i I want you guys to know i love okay (laughs) i think the word that we're looking for is respect a lot, of, a lot of people forget that. Above all else, you should respect your fellow comic book fan, regardless of the stuff drizzling out of their mouths and through their fingers and into the Internet, because we're all buddies. I mean, that's the way I approach it anyway. We're all here for the same reason. Kind of, yeah. I mean, you know, superhero comics, independent comics, art house, whatever you want to call it, it's still all com- manga. <laughs> it's still all comics, and it's all good. Right, and, and, and you know, I've, did Pat Loika teach us nothing? You know, I've been giving you some shit on the manga, and that's it's. Oh, you haven't been. You've been playful. It's, it's more of a shtick than anything. Yeah, um, of course it I is. To, I was listening to sports radio on the way uh, on the way home tonight, What's and, that? Uh, and one of the one of the guys <laughs> was talking about forums, and they were talking about like sports forums, and and they're a lot like comic book forums. And something that that he said that kind of clicked is that forums are great until the tribal mentality comes out. Yeah. And that comic book forums are notorious for regressing into into tribal patterns. And that it, most common is Marvel versus DC. Right. But the industry resorts to tribal patterns. Exactly. And yeah. and people you know, people go through these um go through these these phases of um of having to to argue and and it becomes um these silly um Didio versus Casada or Marvel versus DC or Image versus Dark Horse or you know it's this uh, we just have to pit things against each other and you know forums should be places for um smart intelligent discussion and and not um you know stupid brutish behavior and right. i'm just as guilty as anybody else of doing that so well, we not, had, not really but uh, yeah i understand but you know i think maybe sometime because i i type on the forum as i sp- try and speak in real life and mm-hmm. it, i may be construed as placing myself 
on the mountain with two tablets of comic book commandments saying this is how it is and that is so far from the truth it's it's not even funny i don't claim to know everything and when the stuff flows out of my fingers i don't consider it gospel it's just my opinion and if you got you have a different opinion then hey bring it that's why i'm there but sometimes i don't know it's like you deliver an opinion and it's taken as a challenge like i'm i'm slapping him in the face with my lily white glove what's the deal i'm just having and, fun i'm just here to and, be you know everybody's friend i guess and folks don't don't take that as as like us being disenfranchised with the 11 o'clock forums because it's a it's a great group of people so this no, is no we just, have i think we have the best forum you're right yeah so it's a great group of people and and keep on coming and we love the discussion it's a little well, nutty sometimes, but yeah, it does. Hey guys, this is Dave from Alabama. I just wanted to tell you how much I enjoyed the last podcast, talking about two of my favorite things: Hundred Bullets and American's Best Comics. It was great. Keep it up. Hundred Bullets and Hundred Days is a great idea. It's almost the best way to read it. I read it in each individual issues for the past however many years, and periodically go back and read like. 50 in a row and as close to one sitting as I can make it. It's just, it's a totally different read both ways. It's great. All right, man, keep up the good work. Yeah, should we talk some comics? Yes, we should, but if you want to experience the 11 o'clock forums and all its glory, you can uh, type right into your little internet browser, uh, 11oclockcomics.com or bullpen bulletins, no, forum.bullpenbulletinscomics.com podcast i fucked that up forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com you can we, we'd love to have you we we've had a a pretty decent influx of people lately we're all having fun and um there's cake yeah <laughs> and pie and corn yes oh lots of cornholing going on what the hell was that Especially about from steve bryant good guy <laughs> he got paid he was happy today I don't know how getting paid for doing comics equal cornholing, but hey, chippy. <laughs> hey, whatever yeah. floats your boat, you know. Right. The 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 artist of Athena Voltaire. Let's not forget to push that. So there artist we go. Artist creator, yes. Artist creator, yes, right. So uh, comics, right? Can I thank you for a suggestion or something that you alerted everyone to a couple weeks ago? Finally, I, w- I went to Borders to pick up the new Greg Rucka novel, and I was like, <laughs> spaghetti. I need to. Uh, I need to get the. Uh, <laughs> I finally found out what spaghetti is. By the way. Um, oh no! I don't. I. Uh, I finally picked up uh, that issue of Wired with J.J. Abrams and that pop oh, cool. comic. It yeah. is. I was. Yeah. There was like two issues left on the stands. Finally got it. So great. Thank you very much for alerting everyone. And if you if you're out there in podcast and you haven't picked up uh, what issue of Wired is, it's the it's the one with the yellow background and the big. Um, craft paper wrapped box with the question mark on it right the JJ. i could tell you exactly what what issue it was if you Dude, give me issue. two seconds so I'm it was looking. uh it's the may 2009 issue right it's uh volume 15 issue number five may great stuff awesome. and you know that paul pope comic makes a lot more sense after you've seen the film I haven't mm-hmm. seen it yet oh my god it's fantastic yes let me spoil it for you Okay. No. Could you please? No. I will pick you in the virtual balls <laughs> if you spoil uh, you, this movie. I've been uh, so good about staying away from spoilers. Another surprise on the forum came from Daryl in our uh, monkey room who wrote a nice little paragraph on the film, very heartfelt paragraph. He summed it up exactly. I have never been a huge Star Trek fan. I enjoy the first series. 
Next Generation, eh, not so much, you know, but I appreciated it. This film made me excited for Star Trek. Very cool. Yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty flawless. And, and it's, it's awesome. I won't get into it because it'll ruin it for you. But there's a wonderfully clever plot mechanism that makes everything that has been done before matter. Oh, wow. No, none of that has gone away. The original series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, all that shit has happened. Okay? And okay. Yes. So it, it, they didn't step in anybody's flower bed. They tiptoed around it really brilliantly, I think. So, nice. Okay, comics. That's why we're here. Yeah. Let's get going. Dude, talk about it. You, you, you wanted to talk manga last week. We're ready to hear you talk about manga. You want me to lead with that? Come on. People be fast-forwarded through the beginning. No, no you guys go first. Won't. Okay. No, I, want I want you to go first, buddy. Uh, the the uh, series I'm going to talk about in about two seconds is... Pretty much an anomaly as far as manga goes. It's got a uh, couple traits that you don't encounter very often in, in the art form. The the most obvious of which is that it's only two volumes. It's about 300 and some pages, give or take. And that's considered short for manga. When you have uh, works like Naruto going 50 plus volumes, Rave Master. I mean, these things go on forever. But this is only two volumes. So if you are getting the hankering to sample a little bit of manga and, and you've never done it before, this is a pretty good series to, to pick up because it's not going to cost you a whole hell of a lot. Um, there are some one-volume series like The Awesome Sandland, but that's not representative of the genre I'm going to talk about. And second, which was a pretty cool segue, it's a horror manga. Okay. That, that's a genre that's I think, I believe, to be grossly misrepresented in in manga you know you have your, your your fight manga that's out there or your shoujo or uh shonen you know boys or girls oriented manga but the horror stuff seems to be few and far between so naturally i i usually gravitate towards the horror stuff it's my favorite genre like i said this is called gyo g-y-o i don't know if i'm pronouncing it right but that's how my english ass pronounces it it's by uh junji ito a dude that's regarded as one of Japan's most prestigious horror creators. If you've ever heard of the movie Uzumaki, anybody? No. It was adapted from his manga. He's done stuff called uh, Museum of Terror, Tomie. Like he, he works exclusively in the horror genre. It's subtitled The Death Stench Creeps. How cool is that? But anyway, I, I did a little uh, search in a Japan, Japanese to English translation uh, website and while I couldn't find a, a direct translation of Gyo, it is the prefix in a bunch of words dealing with fish, uh, the act of fishing, and the sea. So it, it's kind of when you hear the, the synopsis of this thing, it's very appropriate. It's basically the story of four characters. The cast, it's not a huge cast. Another thing that you'll encounter in, in a lot of manga a 20 something named Tadashi. And his girlfriend, Kaori, go on a vacation in Okinawa. Uh, while the, the, the boy is, uh, well, man, is uh, scuba diving, he encounters a sunken battleship, rusty, crusted old sunken battleship. Uh, so he goes to explore, and uh, while he's doing that, something whizzes by him, lightning fast, can't get a beat on it, doesn't know what it is, blows him out of the way, uh, just, this, just this, this unbelievably fast 
thing. So finished with his business, makes his way up to the, the surface, and he's accosted by two great white sharks. So, it, you know, you have a little bit of action in the beginning, but that's only the, the, the tip of the iceberg. Gets back on the boat, and the girlfriend, Kaori, the most vain, insecure, clingy, neurotic, uh, domineering shrew of a character I've encountered in a long freaking time. Mm-hmm. She, she starts complaining about the smell. She claims that the smell of the sea is getting to her. So they head back to land. Uh, they retreat to um, Tadashi's uh, ca- uncle's cabin. That's where they're staying in Okinawa. So th- they go back to the cabin, and the girl is completely repulsed by the stench. She claims she can smell death everywhere. It's making her sick. It's, uh, she, she can barely function, so she sends the, her boyfriend to get some air freshener. I mean, she's really repulsed by this. Decides to take a shower as all good manga, char- manga female characters do. And, and while she's in the shower, she notices this blur skirt by. Doesn't make too much about, uh, about it. But then she sees it again, and so she's pretty freaked out. And it, it, the, the scene is really brilliant. The guy creates an atmosphere of horror with just the, the most minimal of elements. She, she's in the shower, and there's like a, a, a seat that you would have in a shower. I, I, I don't know what the name of it is, but, you know, some place that you can sit down in the, in the shower. And on the, from the side of it, she notices in the shadows, she sees this insect-like appendage just snake out, and she freaks out. She just totally loses it, screams for the boyfriend. The boyfriend, luckily, was coming back then, runs into the shower, and he, he, he smashes whatever it was against the wall with this with the seat and it's revealed to be and this is where the book this is where the series starts getting extremely crazy i'm talking morrison-esque weird it's a fish okay with an i guess you would call it a biomechanical insect-like undercarriage that that's literally growing from the bottom of the fish it has four insect-like eggs and these striated uh segmented tubes like you would see on a uh, coming out of a pool filter mm-hmm. that that emerge from the the underside of this device and and go into the fish's gills okay. it, it, the neat thing about it is now when i think horror comics i think bold thick black lines real strong sense of atmosphere rich thick inky blacks right i mean am i alone ito uses a style to illustrate this book that is the complete opposite the, the, the book is illustrated with layers and stacks of these tiny hair-thin lines. It, it's really quite delicate and, and uh, wispy. It, g- it gives everything this um, ethereal kind of intangible quality that works really well. I mean, it, it, it creeps you out to see these fish on land, first of all, but rendered so delicately and, and just well. It's, it's really off-putting and disconcerting. It's a page turner. It's really wacky. It, it, um, I, I, you know me. I gravitate towards the oddball, the weird stuff. I got to say, this is one of the more offbeat stories I've read in a long time. It's just insane. So he the, he thinks he's killed the fish, and this hypersensitive to uh, smell girlfriend, aka a real bitch, throughout the whole. Two volumes, she blames the boyfriend for everything. 
the she's she's attacked by this fish creature she blames him the the smell is overpowering she blames him it, it uh, th- when when this girl finally gets hers it it's almost a section to cheer uh for it's it's really unbelievable the 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 paces she puts this guy through so anyway he's got this decaying fish strapped to this mechanical device she makes him put it in a plastic bag and 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 put it outside so i'm not going to give it away because there's a couple of real horrifying scenes that involve something as simple as a plastic bag i'm not going to say any more very cool uh, long story short tadashi takes the creature to his uncle that i mentioned before before who happens to be a scientist oddly enough uh dr koyanagi convenient yeah isn't it as soon as he he views the the mechanical device strapped to the fish it triggers a memory of something his father told him. His father was in the Japanese army during World War II, and he once told him a tale of a bioweapons project in World War II that involved smell, that uh, the Japanese were devising this this weapon that would instill fear in the enemy by dispersing the smell of death across the battlefield. The only problem was they had no means to convey that gas, which was produced by a germ. They had no no way to to uh, spread this smell across the battlefield. So one of their uh, one of the scientists working for the army came up with this mechanical device that runs on gas. When the when the germ nestles within uh, living tissue, it starts to turn it necrotic, and when it does, it gives off a gas which in turn is pumped into this mechanical device working the the pistons or whatever the mechan- the mechanism that that gives it the ability to walk so it's pretty ingenious so that that's what's happening with the fish the the as they decay they produce a gas which is is making the machines mobile it, it it gives them the opportunity to come up on land and that's exactly what happened all all the coastal towns of of ja- of Japan are inundated by walking decaying gas-filled fish and and Ito milks that for all it's worth. You can just imagine what kind of marine animals come up on the shore. There's a great white shark as if Chevy Chase and Lorne Michaels, you know, nailed it what 25 30 years ago. It's a land shark. This huge rampaging great white shark with legs. It's insane. There, there, there's squid that that come up on shore, and it they just start de- devouring the the inhabitants of these coastal towns. So everybody kind of retreats to Tokyo. But the, the series takes a really devious, disgusting, wicked turn. Once the fish are used up, the germ jumps to humans. Uh-huh. It's dis- it's disgusting. You, you, you s- there there are these conveyances that look like infernal baby carriages. There's there's a like a a rib cage like apparatus that clamps around the the organism, and there are a few choice holes to plug up if you want to tap gas coming from a human body, right? So you have these tubes jammed up these naked, bloated people's asses and, and into their throats. The book is a, a parental advisory, by the way, because of its, uh, <laughs> oh, it, has a, it, it has explicit content. content. So the, there's these fat, disgusting humans walking around on land on these spider-like uh, conveyances, and, and 
the, the, their purpose is to infect more humans. Okay. And as you may expect, the girlfriend gets infected. Nice. And and the most horrifying scene I think in in the entire two volumes is also the most comical because uh, you have this vain girl who is now bloated. Her skin is pasty white. Uh, she's she's infused with all this gas. She can't speak without gas flying out of her mouth and other end. So she tries to commit suicide. She ties a a cord around a light fixture and around her neck and tries to hang herself. Unfortunately, it doesn't work. And you get this, oh, it, it, it's like a bloated, fart-powered suicide pinwheel. She's spinning from the light because the gas is flying out of her ass and out of her mouth, and, and she's screaming, and the boyfriend's trying to get her down. It, it's incredibly unnerving, but it's also kind of funny. I mean, farts are funny. They are. We yeah. think so, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not above fart humor. There's a subplot involving the doctor's assistant and the device, and the doctor is a little bit more than he lets on initially. It's really brilliantly done. It, it It's an outstanding little manga. If you like horror, this is a good place to start because it's creepy as hell. No one does biological horror like the Japanese. Uh, I will warn people, though, it does not end well. So if you're looking for an upbeat ending, I think you should look somewhere else. Because <laughs> I love when, when those kind of things have bleak endings. But just to see a rampaging, land-based great white shark, come on. Oh, yeah. And, and, and it's really expertly done. The, uh, as you know, scenes in manga are tend, tended to be a little stretched out because they have the luxury of working with a lot of pages. I mean, the page count's pretty high, even for such a short manga as this. Mm-hmm. But they're they're in the ca- cabin, and uh, it's a, it's a shot straight down a long hallway, and you see the shark's nose just inch out at the end of the hallway, and all of a sudden it slams against the far wall, and it gets jammed in the hallway, and it's trying to make its way towards the 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 pair, and it's getting stuck in in the hallway, and then they're backed into this room. It smashes through the door. It's really really well done. Okay, so not, I, not, not not that anyone knows about the technical difficulties that we just had, but yeah. I'm now drinking a uh, vodka lemonade and it's delicious. Now we got to go back to the roll call, so Vince oh, got to start this over. Oh, you mean I could do the manga thing over again? No. Um, if <laughs> if for those interested, it's published by Viz, publisher of fine manga. It's nine ninety nine a volume. There's only two volumes, and it does have a parental advisory on it. Because of the disturbing, graphic, grotesque images, watch out for the plastic bag. It's I'm fucking gonna, I'm crazy. Give this a shot. I, I love horror comics, and this comes on Vince's recommendation. I do respect what Vince <laughs> and has you know, to say about comics, but good for you. Well, but wait a minute. There usually, but, well, uh, nah, usually in manga, there's culturally specific jokes and or plot points. Like a lot of the humor and some of the, say, high school oriented Japanese manga, I don't get it. Uh, but this has none of that. The, this this could be an American twenty something and his girlfriend. It it it's not very uh, all, all, culturally all, specific. All I'm gonna say is that I've heard of a lot of different manga that sounds incredibly interesting, and the concepts are rock solid. Like the concept for Monster is. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Couldn't stand it. This does not have the extended scenes 
as, as in some manga. Like it doesn't take a character thirteen pages yep. to get from yeah. point A to point B. It it, 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 it moves like a Western comic. Mm-hmm. So there's a plus for it too. And just the way the panels are laid out and the composition, it's it's impeccable. It's really there's a reason why this guy is so highly highly regarded. Junji Ito, he's really, really on top of his game. Excellent right. artist. I'll give, it, yes. I'll give it a try. For you, Vince. Uh, what did I say? A farting, farting pinwheel of death. Guys, please stop playing these assholes with their fake hillbilly celebrity impersonations. They're not funny like me. They're just, they're just assholes. I can't take it. You guys are better than that. I mean, you're not word balloon or anything, but... Come on, stop encouraging them. I mean, I can I can tolerate the drunk black British guy, all right. I guess he's okay, but the rest of them are just assholes. And I think, Kevin, I need to get the phone. Shut up, Mom. Did you see him on an important podcast? <sighs> My mom's such an asshole. I gotta go. <laughs> So they so they label their book. The manga publishers always label their books. It, it's a it's a constant. You need it. I, well, don't. Well, this is. Are they are they rated in Japan also? I, I'm not sure, but I, I I get they're not rated. I mean, you specific. can get manga and vending machines and everything. So I, mean, right. I don't. Know they're, they're not. They're, there's no. I don't think there's an age uh, range printed on them, but the title. Or the segment of the population to which the book is geared, like if you have a salaryman comic, you know it's for you know twenty, thirty something, forty something working men. So it's going to have a lot of fan service, a lot of TNA in it. If it's called shojo, it's specifically targeted towards teenage girls. If it's called shonen, it's specifically targeted towards teenage boys. Right. If so it's yaoi. It, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. You're not, yes. Hey, <laughs> play any point in a storm. If it's called, you know, I mean, you know, if something's called Yaoi, you know you're not going to give it to a kid. But on the subject of ratings, you wanted to say something, David? No, I was just, I, I figured, you know, we're, we're intelligent men, and I'm just curious, the four of us anyway, I'm just curious if we all know Marvel self-rates their books, yes. advisory T plus, whatever, and and all ages. For the most part, a lot of independent publishers do that. DC does it for Vertigo. All, all the Vertigo books say suggested for mature readers. Yeah, it just it that's strikes pretty me much odd. a, a line wide. And that's and that's what and and I even said this on the forum that that just strikes me funny is that you know that Vertigo is catered more towards mature themes. And yet, that's the one line that every single book is labeled for mature readers. It's like you don't need it there because you just you you should know. But granted, you know you never know if someone might just pick up that Arsface special for the first time and not be aware. But <laughs> when it comes to like the main David line, made him funny. That was a good one. Thank you. Well, not that you pointed it out. Now, 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 when it comes to the mainline DC books, Green Lantern Corps, Wonder Woman, Batman, whatever, I never see uh, a suggested. For I mean, they'll go ahead and Photoshop beer out of a fucking cover of a comic book, but they right. won't tell you that there might be language or scenes in this book that you may not 
want that, that may be intended for me. It, right. There may not be a damn thing going on in Madame Xanadu that month that would warrant that, that, that you you would let a twelve year old kid read that book probably, but they still label it mature readers. But it, Wonder Woman can break Maxwell Lord's neck. Blue Beetle's brains can get shot off. We all know what happened to Sue Dibney in Identity Crisis, but yet none of these notice, books. Notice those are all DC references. Right. Well, you know what? I, I'm going to play both sides of this of this issue, and that's fine for for the, just, for the for the most part. I mean, Savage Dragon, I don't think has a warning on their book. No, and a lot of times, it, a lot of times, it really, it really should. should. Yeah, yes. I, that's. I'll give you that. But what does it matter to you guys? No, it matters. What does it, it matter to me? No, it, I, yeah. It matters to me as a parent because thank you. That's only only because I like to buy comics for my kids. I want to start them young and get them on that comic book path so they grow up to in, into into comic book readers. Now, so far, I don't have a problem. It's either Johnny DC or video game oriented manga for Mia. Not a problem. But now Nina, I, I bought her a couple books at a comic show. They had, uh, I think it was 100 comics for $20. I got her some of the Antarctic Press books. A lot of them weren't labeled, and after the fact, I mean, I was looking at looking through them as I was giving them to her, but I pulled a couple out that weren't labeled and had some pretty suggestive stuff in it for an 11-year-old girl. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think you just, you just ultimately answered the question, and that, that, is, that is who should decide what is or isn't appropriate for your children. Right. Is it, is, is it a nameless, faceless organization in some, you know, Manhattan office called the Comics Code Authority, or is it um, you? Right, and I understand that, but, but the, the, the point I was eventually going to make in my long-winded way was that as a parent, I would not expect a comic book that essentially features the Justice League to also feature someone on panel getting raped. And and if they did, I would really appreciate well, a little okay. bit of warning because uh, my my kids watch they, they know they instantly identify with Batman Superman because of the Brave and the Bold cartoon and because of you know Batman Adventures Superman Adventures all those cartoons they love them they instantly identify with these characters and as well, a parent I would not expect not then, knowing not then, knowing then, what what then the, then the majority of people who buy the Justice League have got to stop growing older. They have to so stop. so that's they, it. They, then they they can't be over the age of of eighteen. Uh, if I, you want, if you want a Justice League comic book that is aimed towards teenagers, then teenagers have to buy it. Then we have to stop buying it because those aren't the kind of comics that we want to read anymore. But, but that see, if it's it's you have a conundrum that's... because if you're going to take characters in one aspect of your business and market them specifically to children. Okay. There's Justice League pajamas, plates, t-shirts, you know, Cartoon. shoes, cartoons, and then take the same characters that these kids already know and put them in a comic book involving rape and someone getting shot in the head graphically and you know, stuff like that. There mm -hmm. it doesn't it's not going to kill them to put parental advisory on on Next to the barcode, like Marvel yeah, well, does. Well, you don't why, even. Why, why should comics be held to a standard that that novels um, aren't held to? I just no, bought, last time no, I, I checked, I, novels weren't marketed towards children. Um, well, either are comic books anymore. The properties but, are, 
the properties are, but the actual comics aren't. Man, I just, I just, I bought a very adult themed novel, like a very mature audience novel. That I no, no, nowhere, nowhere on here does it say that that I should be over the age of of eighteen to read this. So I, I think that as as a parent, what you should look for is not the ones that to. to to put aside the ones that say for mature readers, I think that you should look for the ones that you know say plainly on the cover that they're for kids. But there's there's an age, a gray area when they stop being enthralled by the Johnny DC books, mm-hmm. like like Nina. She's eleven. That stuff does not even register with her. She wants more uh, uh, mature books in in a mm-hmm. sense where it it doesn't talk to her as if she's in you know third or fourth grade like there's a cartoon on um cartoon network called 16 mm-hmm. a- and they're all teenagers so the issues of dating and kissing and you know boyfriends and all that stuff comes up but it's done in a way where as soon as the cartoon comes on they say this cartoon has a pg rating because it deals with some themes you may or may not want your child to see it's not explicit in any sense yeah they give you the option of you know, at least alerting you to the fact, watching an episode and saying, you know, that's pretty tame. I'll let the kids watch it. And I am the farthest person from being a tight ass or a prude. I, I use colorful language around my kids all the time. Low level colorful language, like, you know, shit and ass and stuff like that. They get a kick out of it. But I'm not going to say the F word in front of my kids. And that's, that's my choice. I would like to have a choice in, in, in comics that I could give my children without fear naturally i'm going to look at them anyway the w- the point i'm trying to make is it doesn't hurt to put a parental advisory label on a comic when like in marvel's case wolverine is the subject of cartoons has been for a long time especially now they made damn sure to label whatever that series was with uh what is it old man logan What's the what's the yeah. one that has a yeah they 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 made sure to label that nobody fussed and I think they were they were they took the high ground because they were letting people know that there's stuff in here you may not want your kids to see that's not a problem it's not censoring the work because obviously they're doing whatever the hell they want to do well, they're just I, they're just giving you the courtesy of saying there's a precedence I, I mean I, I get what Chris is saying about that that there are other things like books that don't have the label but com- I, I comic, think- comics aren't for kids guys. But who does? Okay. I don't think they're for general consumption. So you're acting as though this is an absolute. Yet no, there are far I, no, more. I'm just, I'm just no, saying they're they're not for there kids. There are far you. more examples of media that actually do do a rating system. TV shows on network have a rating mm-hmm. system now. Video Most game. people don't pay attention to it, myself included. But every time you turn on Lost or yep. Heroes or Chuck or Two God. Guys and a Girl, there's a little label at the beginning that tells you if it's appropriate for kids or not. And every episode's different. There's some episodes that aren't. In iTunes, there are episodes that are labeled explicit, and and many episodes are labeled clean of the same podcast and the same shows. In movies, that's why we have a rating system. In music, that's why. Yeah, but it's a little different for 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 movies. Yeah, so because... I'm saying there are plenty of. But I'm saying there are plenty of. Pre- precedent for this. I personally, I am of the mind personally, like like many other things, that yes, as a parent, I will take responsibility for screening what my children yep. consume. Yep. I, and I don't have a problem with that. But that doesn't mean that the idea well, of a rating system is inherently wrong. I, I don't. You brought up a very interesting one. You brought up iTunes and podcasts. Mm-hmm. Do you know who do you know who rates those podcasts? Yes. The, the podcast. your responsibility. Yes, of yeah. course. The, po- the podcaster does. Yeah. So... I have been given just the as power. it would be DC's responsibility to put a rating I, on a DC book. I have yeah, 
Well, it depends. Whenever you know you start talking comics code authority, no, but I'm not. I I never. I have I have been given the power and authority to tell parents that around comics, which can get kind of fucking vulgar sometimes, (laughs) could 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 be appropriate for their children to listen to. And so I think that gets into a much wider discussion of you know don't rely on on ratings to tell you what kind of parent you can be. You you like Vince should should be looking at what your your kids are are you know ingesting, you know, as as their own consumers. So I, I just think it's a bad habit to get into relying on what someone else has deemed as appropriate or not. So and I, think I and I agree with you very much so it should be the parents responsibility but but i'm saying not every parent is as conscientious as we We now you may have somebody that runs into a if they're not conscientious then all of the all of the parental warnings in the world are not going to help that kid but and this is where it gets sticky if they give the kid the comic and say after the fact the kid asks the parent what's going on here i don't understand this what you will eventually have is a child who's been exposed to something they shouldn't have seen, and you have the potential for a lawsuit. What about that big lawsuit yep. that that happened to I forget it, where it was, but you know a friendly kid went Franks? friendly. It nope. may have been a, a parent. A kid went in, was given a comic book that wasn't labeled, I think, and the parents just boo freaked out, and it casts a, a shadow on all of comics, not just the independent stuff i mean all comics are labeled uh, well, that, that, as, that that comic was given to a kid on free comic book day and uh that, oh yeah with a, picasso had a naked had, had uh, a nude picture of picasso but, yeah it. i so, think that was labeled i'm thinking of another case well i i, I think that you know and the, i don't know if we want to get into legalities and that kind of stuff because we're treading on um ice that that you know Right. Is, is pretty thin for our knowledge base. But I think the real problem is whenever you get into labeling something that is or isn't appropriate and, you know, that gets into um, I think this is appropriate when you don't think it is. So labeling something as teen plus or, you know, whatever, and if there's a rape scene in it, I think then you open yourself up to... Um, to lawsuits, it's, right. you, know, it's, you you labeled this as appropriate, and it's obviously not. That's why I think, honestly, rating systems uh, throw them out, especially whenever you're dealing with with a medium like comics, because they've they're not they're not made for kids anymore. There are kids comics, but as an industry, they're not made for kids anymore. Well, that's pretty freaking sad. Mm. Why? Because there will it be makes a day. For for who? No, 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 no. I, oh, why I don't. Mean, no, they, no. Why do, why do I need a rape scene for a comic to be good? It didn't hinder the the Silver Age guys and I the Bronze think Age dudes. Was good, dude. Yes, it I was good. It was good, but it but wasn't good because of the rape. Kid. Huh? What Vince what kid, said. What kid, what kid are you? Come okay, on, first dude. of all, no. I'm all right. If I want to share a comic uh-huh. book, not not necessarily Identity Crisis. Yeah. And I know what Vince is saying. The book was still good regardless of the rape scene. If I want to share a comic book with somebody, then give them Shazam and the Monster Society of Evil. Don't give them identity. So crisis. I'm, I'm not, I'm not. But that to limit- give them identity crisis. But I'm saying that it, a book, a story, could still be told well without needing that scene. Well, that's that's your that that's your opinion. The weight of that scene was incredibly important to that series. It yes. Could have could have been done in silhouette. 
in your opinion. Yeah. It may not have. It, it, it wasn't the. It may, it may not have been as impactful if if it was handled any other way. That's your and that is your opinion on how that was depicted artistically. And you of all people to talk about how something is handled artistically mm-hmm. and to say it was done wrong. No, well, I never. I never. I didn't say it was wrong. It, no, it is. Said, it is what it is. You said it could have been handled differently. It, but it didn't. It's, it's, but the 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 crux of the argument is it didn't have to be handled differently. That was the. Ar- it, it was the. If art they of could, choice. they exactly. They could have done that rape as explicitly as they wanted to, uh-huh. or they could have done it the way it was. Just put a label on it. What is, it? It Here's, obviously why, didn't why, didn't change why, the rape wait, scene. Why, okay, wait. why put a why put a label on it? This because there's a rape scene in a in a superhero comic. This that is my so? question, uh, Chris. 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 Yeah. Chris. If 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 a book is not labeled, mm-hmm. does that make it acceptable to all ages? No. If a book if a book isn't labeled, no. how would you know? How do you know? I just bought the new Greg Rucka novel. It doesn't say for mature audience. I'm not talking about it. novels. I'm not talking but, about novels. But the, I'm talking about a comic book. But the, some of the, some of the biggest selling books in the country right now uh-huh. do safe. They they are labeled for children, like the Scholastic books. As soon as you see that imprint, you know that's yeah. okay for my kid to read. Yeah, it's it's labeled for children. You're talking about identity crisis not being labeled as being for mature audiences. There's a difference there. No, if I'm it asking. was if it was kid friendly, then it, maybe it should be labeled as all ages. If it's not, maybe it shouldn't be labeled at all. You can have your rape. It takes n- no effort at all. To put two words on the next to the barcode on the on the front of a comic, you're not changing the method of producing that comic. You're doing whatever you want within those pages. Why force yourself into a situation of of having to to make a point of saying that it's for mature audiences? Sometimes they'll put. Sometimes DC will still put Comics Code Authority badges on comics that meet the code. That's I, that's cool, but that means nothing because so that's your, okay. your average your average parent doesn't know what the comics code is, and they're going to but, the, know but they know damn the, well what the two words that, parental advisory means. Or, or, why put a parental advisory on on something if it's not targeted for children? Okay, why not? What why, does it? What's, what's why wrong not? with the heads up? What's wrong well, with just the hey, listen? There might be some strong language in here. What's what's well, wrong with that? What does it cost? Nothing. It takes no extra. So effort. you know it's so, it, so you know it's not for a kid. It, so it, it, I don't. I, and you know I, this I isn't this isn't in a case Justice of Justice League isn't a, isn't for kids is a faulty presumption. I think for I know we like to say how oh no no kids read comics anymore, but but there is some truth to the fact that every comic could be somebody's first comic still to this day. Yeah, no, right. plenty of young people that read comics. My my cousin is is eleven years old and he's asking me to recommend comics to him now. Uh, because he's discovered superhero comics largely from watching cartoons for the last few years. So my aunt and uncle aren't comic aficionados. I guarantee you, if I ask them tomorrow, they will say, and I say, hey, you know, would you let Mitchell read a Justice League comic book? There's, their, their response would be, of course, why not? And I would have to sit and say, well, would you presume that you need to check every issue to make sure that there's not something objectionable? Well, whatever would be objectionable in a Justice League comic. Right. But uh, they should be checking that shit, though. No, I understand. But I'm saying, yeah. that, again, it gets the presumption of you, what you said, Vince. What's the harm in putting a rating on it? I see right. no harm in that. If yeah. the parent then and doesn't it's... take advantage of that tool, well, then that's their fault. But I, I think, again, it's a litmus test of what's the presumptive normative outcome. The normative outcome is a parent 
that's ever heard of the Justice League is going to presume that there's not a rape scene in it. That Jason you could argue that's a 90, faulty presumption. But 90, that's 90% of the comics that you and I and everyone else here, well, except for maybe Vince, um, <laughs> 90% of the comics that we buy are for mature readers. But that's that's a, a recent trend. Now you you made a point of saying yeah, that the comic last, book industry is geared years. right is last geared is geared towards middle aged men, and that's very true. It's, it's yeah. sad, but it's true. But culturally, Joe and Jane public, or whatever you want to call them, <laughs> the stigma that comic books are for kids has been instilled in these people since the fifties. Yeah. So w- w- when you say comic book, automatically those words trigger. An entertainment medium that is geared towards children. It's not true, but that's the way they perceive it. That's what I'm saying. So my, so th- my family, I'm sure my in-laws, they, you know, my mother-in-law's here, and she heard I do a comics podcast. She, you know, I saw the little smile on her face, like, really? You know, like she. I mean, it's just they, they don't. They just think mean, comics are for kids. I mean, you I, mean I, Disney? But yeah. no, and, and, then, and, and then did you pull identity crisis off the shelf and say, read this, bitch? <laughs> okay, how about this? How about how about this? If you if you're watching, like like Jason said, with television, they ran off a bunch of TV shows that'll tell you this episode may contain adult situations, violence, language, what have you. Would you expect, the only time I would expect to see this word would be in a Max book on the Marvel side, but a mainline DC comic book, would you expect to see the word asshole in it? Yeah, it's not like, really like, at, like actually printed out. Asshole, not the, yes. Not, not, with the, not with the pound what, signs, what, not what, with the... Which one? Final Crisis Aftermath, run number one. Really? It's, it's not human really that Flames, bad of a word, Human though. Flames' wife called him an asshole. When was the last time you saw it in a comic book, though, Vince? Yeah. Well, I, maybe I'm just... I'm not talking about this is going to be a trend of things to happen, because, I mean, you know, you oh, can watch FX after 10 o'clock and listen to Douchebag and Cunt and, and, and Dick and shit. Really? You know, so yeah, FX on, on 10 o'clock. Shield? Oh, you, said yeah. the, you said the C word. I, I think did, that's I the did. first that's, time. That's, that, that's <laughs> the drop, line. So. They, drop a, they drop a C-bomb? I'm not. I'm not saying. Well, actually, Dennis Leary was talking to one of the guys last night. They were throwing back and forth, so I'm not sure what was said or if that one slipped through. But no, FX like the Shield. If you look at any of the old Shield episodes, you'll hear words that you would have never heard. Even back, forget Carlin's seven dirty words. But asshole, absolutely no, wow. not, not garbled, no pound signs, no that's asterisks, and, and that's what I'm saying. And it's like, and and it's, I would never expect to see that in in a standard DC comic book. So that's I'm not saying that it needs to be rated. I'm not yeah, saying but it, see if I was the editor age, but yeah. if it was if it just said adult situ- adult language, if it just said anything on the cover that would say, hey listen, there may be some strong language in here, that's all I'm asking for. I'm right. not saying well, it has you have to be sixteen to read this. As an editor, I'd let that go. Because it's not really a bad I mean it's not, not that bad. These, no well today maybe not and I'm sure no. the kids hear it on the playground. Yeah Guys, shithead this, maybe this, this is what we need to realize is that is that the comic book publishers understand that kids don't really read comics it's such a small part of their of their consumer base they're aware of that yeah. we just need to accept the fact that kids aren't the major purchaser of comics they're probably never going to be again no matter what happens we can make all the kid friendly comics in the world and that that segment of the market's not going to grow by any large amount. Comics aren't written for kids anymore. They've grown up, and we'll get them on. We'll get them on the bounce. And 
that's that's fine. Maybe that's better for comics as an art form long term. For stuff like you know skyscrapers of the Midwest, which isn't a kid aimed comic. You know, we look at at stuff like Bean World. That's not really a kid comic, but it is appropriate I, for all kids. Though. It, but it is a yeah, it's age appropriate. I think it's a little maybe a little highbrow. Um, mm-hmm. the, what I'm getting at is that it's probably not a bad thing for the industry, and I think that we need to lay down this banner of of kids need to read comics or the or the industry is going to die. No, I think people need to make good comics or the industry is going to die. And whether that's 35-year-old men in Chicago reading comics or 14-year-old you know, kids in Scranton, Pennsylvania reading comics, it's, it's about making good comics to the people that are going to buy them. And oh. ratings, I think that I think it can be much ado about nothing because I don't think that a lot of people pay a whole lot of attention to it. And I, I don't think it's it's that that big of a deal. I think people get bent out of shape about a book like Identity Crisis and saying, "Oh my God, the children!" It's like there's no fucking kids reading that book. Fucking relax. I, I guess we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one. But let me ask okay. you a question: When did you start reading comics? How old were you? When did well? When I started reading when I was twelve-ish or so. I started reading when I was seven, six, uh-huh. seven, David. Oh shit! Probably about eight or yeah, eight to Jay- ten. Jason, that was eight or nine. Yeah, and I tell you what, at twelve, American Flag was fucking awesome. Yeah, I agree. You felt like a big boy reading it. <laughs> Honest to God, see, and and that, and I could be somewhat hypocritical because I was the one sneaking the Vampirellas and the Eeries and the Creepies into the house because it had boobies in it and naked people and blood and guts and swearing, but. And those things were not labeled. The Warren magazines weren't labeled. Why? Um, why? Because it was because a different on, format. Because they, were on, because they were on newsstands. They weren't. Right. It was a different format. Comic shops. Exactly. No, 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 no. There was other comics at the newsstand, but those were traditionally sized for color comic books. The magazines were not subject to the comic code, so they could do whatever the hell they wanted in those things. Yeah. And that's why you wanted them. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, and I turned out pretty much okay. Uh, uh-huh. Brian Salazar would probably disagree with you, but uh, more or less, I turned out okay. But yeah, let's move on because we're never going to get anywhere with this. No. I guess we're just going to have to part ways and leave it up to the dudes on the forum to discuss, which they are. Yeah, pot. Hey, motherfucking pot. Hey, I don't know if it's clean, so we keep it clean. So we're totally chilling here. And we're drinking, having a good time, and here comes Christina with my phone. Thank you for my phone. And it's totally awesome, man. Anyone who's anyone is here right now. If the person's not here right now, they totally suck. They suck. <laughs> so I'm kind of done with this message. I don't know what else to do because it was like spur of the moment. So deuces. <laughs> Speaking a little bit about the old school stuff, though, uh, I listened to an interview with Bernie Wrightson today. Nice, <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, and it was the whole thing was terrific. I mean, I, I know you guys are also huge Wrightson fans, so <clears throat> it was on Sidebar, uh, my new favorite non AC, non eleven o'clock comics podcast. Uh, but yeah, this was great. And and the, he, I just want to share a quick anecdote because I thought it was pretty funny. Um, he was talking about his famed uh, Frankenstein stuff mm-hmm. and I, I did I, two things about it number one I didn't know that he did that all on his own dime uh, he didn't want to 
engage a publisher before it was finished because he was afraid that they would then start putting their stamp on how it was supposed to look and what it would be, be like. So he did it all on his own. It took him six years. Then he took it to the publishers, and he took it to Marvel, and he was literally an inch away from putting pen to the contract when the Marvel exec who was in charge of getting the deal done says, as he's about to sign the contract, says, so uh, I'm just wondering, do you want to handle the coloring of the pages or do you want oh, my our God. guys do the coloring? Oh, no. <laughs> Bernie said he was literally 10 seconds away from having signed that contract and having had them butchered and colored Frankenstein with, with a with you know like a, a four color palette and he so he said what did you just say and he lost his mind and then he wrote in the contract and and anything related to it forevermore that it had to stay in its original form and could not be altered in any way without his express permission so now wait a minute i'm assuming that it would have been published under the epic banner so are we talking archie goodwin the editor i don't know he didn't say i, I, didn't. I can't see archie goodwin saying something like that I, he he made it sound like it was not anyone all that significant. It was just some okay. Marvel side in the room that was, was you know asked him just nonchalantly like, "Hey, do you want to do the coloring or do you want to one of our guys do it?" <laughs> I mean, Archie of all people was from Warren. Yeah, so, so he, he, he he would respect the the black and but white. But isn't that great? It's, yeah, uh, that's nuts. Yeah, good old Bernie. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Who did you know I, that Bernie has? I I'm assuming that it's new work in the upcoming creepy uh, bi-monthly. Or quarterly. Yeah, I'm, su- yeah, quarterly. I'm surprised you haven't talked about that yet. Because it's it's not tangible yet. But I know. Yeah, but we, sure we can talk about it. it. And it's it's on sale uh, 50% off, right, at DCBS? Mm-hmm. You get it for $2 and change for a, a four ninety nine comic book, uh, prestige format, trying to recapture the glory days of, of one of the best comic magazines. Not just horror, but just flat-out damn good comics. Uh, creepy. From Warren Publications, it was it was an amazing magazine, and uh, you know e- even if they come halfway as good, it's going to be something that you must own. So I agree. Hey, I got a, I got a question for uh, especially Vince and David. I uh, dropped by Challengers on my way home tonight. Uh, I usually do that on Wednesdays, and I picked up the Cloak and Dagger hardcover that came out. <laughs> Remember the cover? Nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. David popped an aneurysm. Rick, Rick, Rick Leonardi. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Bill Bill Mantlow and uh, and yeah, Rick Leonardi. Yeah. It's the original uh, Cloak and Dagger miniseries. I'm sure we all remember that fondly. Well, Patrick and Dow. I was talking to them about uh, about uh, Mantlow and uh, Dow. There at Challengers is is big Mantlow fan and and was asking why he didn't get as much credit as he probably deserved at the at the time and 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 after that um, and asked and, and he and Patrick were talking uh, um, trying to figure out who at Marvel today would be a uh, a, a comparable. Uh, creator to Bill Mantlow. So I, I bring those two questions to you. Wow. Uh, first of all, why didn't Bill Mantlow get a lot of credit? Was as, because... as, much, as, much, as much credit as he deserved. I right, right. In, in my uh, perception, because he was relegated to the fringe titles, mm-hmm. Rom and, and, and Cloak and Dagger, what else? Micronauts. And, Micronauts, uh, yeah. I mean, th- they were the equivalent Hulk. of... Uh, uh, he did, yeah. he did. He did Hulk, and then he and uh, he and Mignola and Talio traded places with John Byrne, and they worked on Alpha Flight while Byrne did Hulk. But Mantlo is one of those buried nuggets that you know mm. w- when when you finally un- discover his work, you're like, 
why have I not read this man's stuff before? He's he's incredible. Rom, I, I keep saying it, is one of the best series ever to come out of Marvel. And it was the product of a toy tie-in, of all things. Mm-hmm. That's almost unheard of. David, why would you say? Uh, I mean, are we just looking at, like, the... The types of titles that Mantlo worked on, or or his, I mean, it's it's too soon, you know. May, I don't know. Maybe Fraction. I mean, I know Fraction's working on some high end books with X Men and Iron Man, but I they, mean, the they, type they, of they they mentioned Fraction said that he's maybe a little too big even at this point. You know, they were they were kind of thinking of the uh, the, utility, the, the the utility knife kind of do it all type Dan guy. Yeah, but yeah, but see, even Dan Slot. Is is you know now pretty much spearhead and amazing, so that's kind of hard. I but I mean, even, I got, how about Greg Pak? They Ooh, mentioned Greg Pak's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I would go. Oh, Van Lenty. Van Lenty, yeah, he's the right. Good there you go. Yeah, because how about, how about I? I came up with this one, and he hasn't been doing much because he's he's directing this movie. What about Paul Jenkins? Mm. See, he's just he's just been out of the spotlight too long right now. I think, and he's he's really highbrow though. Yeah. I mean, Mant- Mantlo was was he he aimed high, but his his stories were still rooted in the vernacular of comics. You know what I mean? Like he did Rom and made it a very exciting, very against the grain, but it 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 wasn't so much so that it it, it was it was uh, fuck. I don't know what I'm you, trying to you, say. You could still reenact it in your sandbox out back with your. Oh Rom. hell yeah, yeah! It was still <laughs> uh, uh, you know cosmic good versus evil. Basically. Yeah. That's what it was. What I consider the definitive, the definitive, the definitive Inhumans look. It's his. Okay, his, right. His Inhumans series. Jay Lee. Jay Lee. Oh, good call. Yeah, so that good. Was good. His, in, in the center is good. But anyway, back to back to Mantlo because I know that I know that you guys are big fans and yes. this, you know the, the Micronauts stuff. It's uh, sure Michael Golden on Micronauts was awesome, but Bill Mantlo wrote some really fun stories. Jenkins is a good one for this because look at some of the other Marvel stuff he's done recently. He's done so, <clears throat> front line, front line, <laughs> yeah, front line, penance, relentless. I mean, neither of those would be. I think Jenkins gets handed some um, of the yeah, we have mm-hmm. to do this. Why don't you knock this out? Kind of projects right. because he's, yeah. I, you know, I want to say that. This stuff was bad, but you read Inhumans and then you read Civil War Frontline. I'm not saying it was bad, but it was. He's done better work than Frontline. Yeah, and, yeah. and since we're speaking on Matt Lowe, there was a benefit book a couple years ago for uh, for Bill, who was, was in it, a. Was, is it was it a benefit book or was it just yeah. mostly his his brother writing about him? No, that was a benefit book. Okay, okay uh, the good. seven seven dollar thing. Yeah, it was, perfect. Yeah, okay, yeah, that good. was that was a benefit book because Bill was involved in a car accident. Yeah. and ha- has been pretty much in needed medical care since I, I don't know when it happened. But the man doesn't write anymore, obviously, and and he oh. he 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 requires a huge amount of support. So oh, jeez, yeah, it's sad. Huh? It's sad too. Yeah, it is. Go by go by the cloak and dagger hardcover that came out this week. Yeah, hopefully. Oh, I'm yeah. thinking Marvel's going to shoot something his way for that. I hope so. They, they should, yeah. Give, give to the Hero Initiative. I don't know if Hero helped him out, but... Oh, yeah, they have to. Oh, that'd so, be awesome. So, Jason, you mentioned you dropped a little bomb last week. You wanted to talk about something? I did. Sea Guy? Oh, Slaves of, Slaves oh, of Mickey right. Eye? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I completely forgot to talk about that first issue when it came out, and, and I guess I assumed you would bring it up, too. 
I am doing it now. It's Mr. Morrison. But I didn't I didn't read the first series, but I figured yeah, it's Morrison, it looks quirky. <laughs> I love the uh Steve Zisu movie, The Life Aquatic, so I figured out yeah, what the hell. And you know I you know I, I love Morrison and uh, <laughs> I I gotta say I, I didn't have a fucking clue what I was reading. It was re- clue. I, I you know what? I'm I'm the biggest Morrison apologist of the four of us. You? Okay? Yeah, no. and I have to say, if you did not read the first series, and if you do not know Morrison's plan for this trilogy, this first issue would be completely imperceptible. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you were befuddled, weren't you? Or, or impenetrable. Yes, impenetrable, imperceptible. You could perceive it, so I'm stupid. Yeah, it's the beer. It's the beer talking. But you, you know Morrison's plan for this trilogy? He leveraged his involvement in 52 to guarantee that DC would publish part two and part three. Oh, really? Nice. Yes. Yeah, no, he did. Because he he, uh, he, uh, he and Cameron Stewart did the first series. Not the biggest selling Morrison uh, property ever. So what he did was he, he agreed to do 52 in exchange for them publishing the second miniseries and the third. And, and he has it set up that the first miniseries was basically Sea Guy's infancy. And this, this second miniseries is uh, equivalent to Sea Guy's adolescence. If you notice, he's questioning his reality. Uh, He's wondering whether the things he's being told are really true. That's something we all do in our teenage years. We, we, we challenge authority and, and, and test the boundaries of, of everything. That, that's what this series is about. And then there's going to be a third series. I forget the name of it. That is the mature sea guy. And, um, the whole, the whole trilogy is Morrison's answer to grim and gritty superheroes. He wanted to do a completely different take on a hero, bringing it somewhat back to the, the naivete and just fun-loving nature of the Silver Age. So mm-hmm. that's what Sea Guy is. And honest to God, I read the first series, and, and I had to read this issue twice. Okay. Yeah, there, were, there was things in it like, what? Like, I got it right here. The, 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 the whole part with the, um, the, the dinosaur bones? I mean, I understand the symbolism behind it, but I, I don't understand what it could possibly have to do with this series. Did you, did you feel that way? I mean, he, oh, Dr. Sylvan. Yeah, which I thought was a, was a Morrison portraying himself, right? I mean, it's a bald-headed, sunglasses-wearing mad scientist, I thought. That yeah, I, I, I would say uh, a combination of himself and Dr. Sylvania from, sure, from, sure. Sh- from Shazam. But the neat thing about him is he has that brain bow. The rainbow that emerges from his head, right? Which I didn't know what that was all about, but I just went with it. <laughs> well, he t- he tells you it, it's a visible thought precipitations a curious side effect of my super intellect. So he's so smart that uh, he has color emerging from his head. Not a big deal, but no, he he com- he cobbled to <laughs> he cobbled together these dinosaur bones mixed with automobile parts and and vehicle parts and and the, yeah. the one w- the one was called a an autoraptor. And and it it died out because the the oil it used to eat went away. Now I mean, no, that that's not a thinly veiled commentary on current life. I mean, mm-hmm. we're consuming oil at a, at a, uh, a frantic pace. So yeah, it's I, I I enjoyed it just because it was so quirky. But uh, I think it remains to be seen where this thing is going to go. Yeah, and and what it's going to mean. Judging from this first issue. I have no freaking idea. Looked great though. Looked yeah, great. Cameron Stewart's a he's a whiz. 
Absolutely. Really good. It's and, only and, three issues, so you know what I mean? Yeah, but and it is 32 pages, so the 399 cover price is pretty much justified with the extra pages. It's it's odd. Even for Morrison, it's really strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get the bearded woman warrior that, if you didn't know, uh, Sea Guy has a crush on her from the first series. Okay. I wasn't a huge fan of the bearded woman, but... Oh, she's hot, dude. So what? She has a beard. Look at her body. <laughs> she got the she got the the sword and the the leather and the, come on. But no, it, I, I guess from what I'm getting out of this, it's all about challenging authority and questioning your environment. So mm-hmm. so well, not not a whole lot to say for Mister Morrison yet. But maybe as we've been accustomed, maybe some things in this will jump with the publication of the second and third issue. Who knows? Yeah, it may have. The nurse was hot too. The blonde Harley Quinn esque nurse in the in the later stages of the book with the needle. She's a smoking hot. Uh, I'll give I'll give you that. Look at I, it. Uh, it's like hello, nurse. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, it was crazy. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what to make of it because I didn't. It's the first time in a long time I've read a comic literally not having any idea what was going on. Right. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, it felt good, didn't it, to abandon? Yeah. I mean, well, every, I, I wasn't sure if it was like at first. I thought, okay, is this it almost struck me as though they were in a um, not in an alternate universe, but like almost like they were in a, a theme park. Well, they are. The um, idea of Sea Guy is he lives in a world where all evil all evil has been vanquished, okay. and the superheroes have nothing to do. Okay. And then that's oh. that's square one. So they spend their time at an amusement park and just oh, walking okay. around, walking around, doing very little. He he plays chess with this death like character in the first series and and he kind of the gondolier and and he kind of does it in this one too uh-huh. so uh, well to a point but uh, it's too early to tell what the hell this thing's about he's just yeah. setting it up now there you go uh, the parrot lucky has been placed in his uh care to spy on him because the powers that be think that he may be picking up on what's going on. So by the end of this issue, they, they kind of take him out. And, and the last page could mean, uh, where we see three different versions of Sea Guy, could relate to the id, ego, and super ego. He, who knows? I don't know. It, it's something that they toy with in Godland, too. Okay. With uh, those three characters, ego, uh, ed, and, and supra. Same thing. Three yeah. three segments of the of the of our psyche. I don't know what it's about. We'll see. <laughs> and and it, it, you know, it, it doesn't pain me to to not know where Morrison is going with this because I'm sure, even on a, a superficial level, it's going to be entertaining. Just the wackiness of it, but we'll see. No matter what you think, it's not going to be able to top what he comes up with. <laughs> yeah, and I can't really advise people to buy this because it's nothing like. Uh, the typical superhero comic, and I don't know if he's going to be successful, so I'm not going to push it. <laughs> I pushed. He's I, so I pushed. Used to writing a typical superhero comic. Well, you you know what I mean. He still he plays in the sandbox. He just you know pulls some sources from outside of it to do his mm-hmm. uh, further his his ends. But yeah, this is just totally strange. And it's I enjoy it. I appreciate it for what it is. But I can't in good conscience. And last week I said read Sea Guy, and that was before I read it. So, yeah. So there's, well, read, there's, read, read Sea Guy from the beginning. How about that? It's still not going to make all that much sense until we have the three issues. Got to be honest. This is the Gene Gum Comic Book Corner. 
I'm your host, Jane Gum. This week I read Incredible Hercules, number 127. This is done in one type of story. It told the origin of Hercules. It was a pretty good read. Although it didn't have my favorite character, Kirby the dog, and there was an absence of really big fat girls. But overall, I would give it three lotions in the basket out of four. Well, now back to Vince and the boy. Yes, sir. Let's talk about your disdain for my boy Jonathan Hickman. Oh, Lord. Uh oh. So we're not, we're not, we're not going to keep it positive, huh? No. It's, <laughs> no, uh. <laughs> you told me to bring this up in the fucking show. Oh, I said a show. I didn't mean this one. Uh, no, no, I did. Said, I did. We were get talking about it earlier, and you said, why don't we I save said, it for the show? Why don't we save it for the Let's show. Talk about I know, it tonight. I, know. <laughs> I, know. I, I never said tonight, though, but no, I know what he's saying. Before you get into it, didn't Secret Warriors number three, was it today? Or was it issue four? Uh, Four probably Four. came out. I, I, okay. I've only read up to three on that. I did. I did get home. Oh shit! Now them. people are gonna drink. Thanks, Tom. What? What'd you say? You, you said I, I didn't say? read it. I don't yeah, know. I said, was talking oh, to right. Sal at work today, and he told <laughs> no, me. No, the, the audience is drunk. <laughs> I didn't read that. <laughs> Fucking Tom. I I did get to read. Uh, you should kiss his dark, ass. He's worth every brain. Fantastic. Yeah, he's, he's, he does an awesome impression to me. The. Uh, I did read Dark Rain Fantastic Four, and I will say the second issue uh-huh. is better than the first. I, I didn't like the mini starting off, whether I felt it was slow, whether I... Oh, and speaking of minis, you guys know that Flash Rebirth has been bumped up to six issues, right? Is it okay. really? No, I, th- I yeah. thought it was always six. No, I think it might have been five initially, but it apparently was, it, was, it was announced to be six now. And wow. the second issue, I liked a lot more than the first issue. I think I agree with you there too. I, th- I think it really opened up and was able to breathe a little it, bit more. Read the second, yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, every, all of the um, not complaints, but the 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 critiques I heard about the first issue, but it being a little too cramped, a little stiff yeah. with storytelling and art. I mm-hmm. really felt like it opened up and became a much easier story. It's like it got, you know, uh, for a bad. A bad pun. It got out of the the starting blocks, and mm-hmm. now it's now it's starting to to kind of find its find its feet. And uh, yeah, I, I really like <laughs> the second issue. Good pun. Oh. Yeah. The, the uh, <laughs> so I'm I'm because at first I I wasn't a fan of the first issue of of the Fantastic Four Dark Reign mini. I figured all right, I'll just I'll just wait for the next couple. It's only a five issue mini. I'll either wait till it's all done or I'll I'll just read it the next two and then the next two after that. But I did read the second knowing the conversation Wood and I had earlier today. I like the second issue because I especially like the whole multiple universe things and how, how how Civil War and the Registration Act played out in other universes. This is what I've read from Hickman. I've read Nightly News, which I thought looked great. I read. Wow. I've, I'm reading Secret Warriors, which, just yeah, based on the first issue, okay. and and it's not saying it's. I I don't think it's it's a bad book. I mean, it looks beautiful, but I'm not saying it's a bad book. And I know Hickman has his fans, and and I can definitely see why, especially when you read the first issue and you get the the briefs in in the back of the first issue as far as back matter goes, you can obviously see why, why Hickman's on this book. I mean, he's got, he, and, and, um, on word balloon when they were talking to Dan and when, when John was talking to Dan slot and, and, uh, and, and he was talking, no, I'm sorry. 
<laughs> it was it wasn't slot. It was another it was another interview where someone was talking about um Hickman's nobody, uh Nobody knows what the hell they're talking about tonight, do we? Oh no. No. But there was someone was talking about it. He did just Hick- interview Slot, but he did, but but I remember hearing a podcast recently where they were talking about Hickman's Bible, uh, Hickman's story Bible for for like Secret Warriors and and how oh, it's wasn't uh, it the Bendis tapes? Was it really? See, I haven't listened to a Bendis tape in a while, but it's it's oh maybe maybe yeah, Slot yeah, because it, maybe John saying, was referring to it when he was talking yeah, to Slot. Bendis had said that um, that was before the book came out, and Bendis had said that. Um, Although he was credited as being a co-writer, the reality is he hasn't. He all he did was some of the plotting, and Hickman took it and ran with it, and, and was so far in deep with it and had a Bible, and it was already had several arcs plotted out that he had no real reason to to get in his way and just was going to let him do the book. So right, and but apparently because of of Hickman's design sense, his 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 actual like handwriting in this notebook is like meticulous and it's it's beautiful and and they wish they could publish this and and I I kind of get where Hickman's mind is at and I'm looking forward to his Fantastic Four run, not just for Eagle Sham's art, not just because it'll hopefully wash away the taste of the past year, but because I think he's got some pretty funky ideas as far as what he can do with the Fantastic Four. Secret Warriors, I think, is starting off, I, I think at first, just after like maybe the first couple issues, he, and this is just me, I, it, I'm sure I'm way off, but, but it felt like he was, it either still had a Bendis influence or he was trying to kind of like ape a Bendis style. And he's better than that. He shouldn't have to do that. So I, I like... More audio problems, people. Yes. We've, we've, so, we, <laughs> so I don't expect it to sound in my head like Nightly News did. Obviously, it, it shouldn't. These are characters I, I kind of want to like, like especially especially Ghost Rider's kid and, and, and uh, Dr. Druid's maybe not so much. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Ghost Rider's kid? The original. Not, oh, okay. Not, not 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 our spirit of vengeance. All right. Um, Carry on. The uh, you know, I, I I don't know how I feel about Daisy only because you know I remember Secret War and her whole the, mm-hmm. it was just Angelina Jolie throughout the whole fucking book which I couldn't stand. Yeah. But I love Fury though. I think this is a great version of Fury and and uh, his conversation with Contessa in the third issue and and the. Uh, the big deal at the end of the third issue, I, I thought that web chat w- w- was pretty cool, and I just, I just want to. I mean, the Cisco brought to you by Cisco. The, the and Cisco and WebEx, yeah. <laughs> and well, 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 not so much the product placement, but who he was talking to through Cisco WebEx. But mm-hmm. I want to know more about these characters. And granted, if, if Vince is right, the fourth issue just came out today. It's been four months, and and it's it's not. It's not happening, and that's and that's just and that's on me because obviously there's a whole story going on right here with 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 what these what Fury's having his little army doing, and I just I want to know more about. I mean, we we knew more about. <laughs> no, that that's not really fair because we we already, you know, Star Lord wasn't an old wasn't a new character, and and Mantis we're aware of, and Rocket Raccoon. So I mean, I, I don't I can't compare it to Guardians of the Galaxy, but we do we knew where what direction that book was going in by the end of the mm-hmm. first issue. And, and and here it's been four, and it's not moving fast enough for me. That, okay. that That's just my issue. But it's it looks beautiful. I can't I can't deny Stefano Caselli. It's, it's great art. Yeah. But for the uninitiated, like myself, it's, the story basically picks up at the end of Secret Invasion. Nick Fury has come out of hiding, 
or mm-hmm. wherever he was during for the past like what four years roughly yeah yeah and he's gathering a group of people together for what well he okay so this goes into secret this all happened in secret invasion when he came back he had a list of uh caterpillars he called them which right. were basically legacy characters but the idea that they they were untainted and he could he knew because he'd been tracking them since they were kids that they were completely untainted that they weren't scrolls and that he could count on them to lead a counter scroll insurgency but it, it was basically it, a chance to introduce legacy characters into the marvel universe okay. i mean if all, all of them, am i supposed to take the 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 name caterpillar as these heroes were in the formative stages and could someday become something absolutely. much more so that's why he yes. that. okay i got absolutely. it so this picks up now that Secret Invasion's over. Uh, it's it, and to David's point, we're four, well, we're five, we're four issues now, and I've read three. He he's got plans for them, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't want to give away the big spoiler of the book if you haven't read it. But he comes to a realization in the first issue about all the work he's done as the Shield director for decades, and it's sort of the conspiracy of all conspiracies, and presumably he's going to use these young caterpillars to help him get to the bottom of this ultimate espionage ah. issue that he's dealing with. But um, And what I liked about it is, I, I guess what impressed me the, so far is that it's everything that Hickman is working with now actually harkens back to the original Nick Fury Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff. The, nice. <laughs> and and even, even so much as how all of the... Like the, you know, back if you read back... I have the masterworks of that. If you go back and read it, there's... Some pretty cool stuff in that, so, you know, but it's very campy because it was at the time it was written. Obviously, it was a different time, so it was kind of campy. But now Hickman's bringing it forward and stuff like the idea that Hydra and the Secret Empire and AIM and all those things are really all one organization run by a handful of people. You know that there's that they're really all one and the same, and nothing at and, all like the real world. <laughs> right, <laughs> you like that, and uh, I will agree with David though. And the thing that that I think maybe Hickman needs to work on, and that's probably where he's had the least experience because he's a relatively new comics writer. Nightly News was his first published comics work. Um, his characterization of these new characters—I mean, we haven't, you know, like David said with Fury, we know Fury, and I think he's doing Fury well. Um, we we some of the other characters like the uh, the villain in the, I don't want to say the villain's name because it will give away the, the the big hook but the villain I think he's doing well but the new, new characters which we've only seen in a few issues and are relatively new characters say for Phobos who we saw in the Ares miniseries and uh, and Daisy um, I think that he just hasn't fleshed them out enough to really build a rapport with them and you know it, I guess in today's day and age is is three issues enough for, well, I think there's six or seven characters. I don't know. But, I mean, he could do better with that. I agree. But I just thought that it seems like, I don't know, David, if it's just something you're not connecting with him. Because I have noticed that, like, between what you said about the uh, the, the Dark Reign Fantastic Four and the and the um, the Secret uh, Warriors, it just seems like you're not really feeling the Hickman love. And I know he's, he's new to Marvel, so I was curious if you had read any of his other stuff, like Nightly News. So it sounds like you did read that, but didn't care for it all that much. No, right, I... Writing, I, I well, I th- I thought it was it was a funky story. Like I said, <laughs> I, I, as far as visually, it, it was extremely appealing. It, it's hasn't look doesn't look like anything else you're going to see on the rack next to it. I think I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic first foray in, into comics, and <laughs> I can't knock him for the experiment he did in that book. Haven't read Transhuman. Haven't read 
anything else. So I, Mars. that's no. what I was looking for. Um, have they have those wrapped up? No, by the core, the, by no, the, well, core was a pilot season. Yeah, pilot okay. season was the core um, with beautiful Ken Roquefort art. Um, Transhuman did wrap up. Very disappointing series in the sense that, as I, I think I mentioned on the show, you know I'm in the business of dealing with investments and IPOs and corporate M and A, and even I was pretty bored. So I can't. Uh, yeah, I was lost interest yeah. in it. It's it, pretty it, bad. I couldn't imagine if you didn't have a deep no, knowledge and interest in in corporate M and A that that would have been a very interesting book for you. Um, Red Mass. I think there's been two issues, maybe three. No, there's been two. And the disappointing thing about that is when I met Hickman at New York Comic Con, he said they're going to put it out as a trade and they're not going to release the rest of the issues. Mm-hmm. Which right. is fine, but it kind of sucks if you already bought some of the issues, you know, but whatever. I'll still buy it because I want right. to see the story. I, I thought it got off to a good start. but um, I have a question yeah. about Secret Warriors. Now, I did a little bit of leafing through a couple of issues and I noticed uh, I think actually think it, it was the hook page, the very last page of one issue. There was a couple of green guys that had uh, sort of designs painted on their skin. Does this book have anything to do with uh, House of M Hulk? Because that's what they looked like to me. House of M Hulk. No. You know how the Hulk had the tat- the white tattoo design motif on his on his chest and his arms. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I got from that page. But I, you know, I don't know. I'm not reading the series. There's a couple yeah. guys standing there. Now it may it had a greenish tint. They may it just may have been the way they were colored. Mm-hmm. I don't think so, buddy, but... Yeah, because I, I thought House of M. Hulk was pretty cool. This Secret Warriors thing does sound kind of intriguing. I do like a good Nick Fury story. That's the thing. For me, if it's got Nick yeah. Fury, it's hard for me not to like. And uh, Phobos, I don't... Did you read the Ares miniseries, Vince, years ago? I have the trade. haven't read it. Well, in it, it's a, it's a real departure because it's Ares as a construction worker living on the Earth because he's raising his son. And in that series, he's just a normal kid. But you come to find out it's actually... This normal kid, because he's the son of Ares, turns out to be Phobos, the god of fear. Nice. So this little kid ends up being the god of fear, which is pretty freaking badass. <laughs> so uh, he's got a lot of potential, but... Um, Say it the way you normally would. Cool, like Dr. Druid's son is in it. Yeah. And he's a big <laughs> fat, bastard. fat guy, like chubby <laughs> bastard, who, but he happens to be a great mystic. And um, uh, who else is in it? I, I'm trying to think what the other characters are. Um, now, who's this Daisy person you were talking about? Quake, or I guess is, is is that her code name? She makes Earthquake. She she first yeah. appeared in Secret yeah, that goes back War. To, to yeah, um, Delato's Del uh, the Secret War with Gabriel oh. Delato, beautiful, which didn't, is didn't which, read that. Which, which which pissed me off the, because the, it's like the the rapidly declining art quality and pushed back schedule. That uh, what the, take that, that take that took, like, it's yeah. A, yeah, the, between it the fourth and fifth three, issue, it took a while. Years. Was it and, three years for it, that? No, nah, I don't know if it was that long. Um, it was a while, It did take a while, though. because yeah. they came out with the, the Fury's secret files in between the fourth and fifth issue. And yeah. what I... Thanks it's for like, that. Here's, and from what I hear, not, not Bendis' fault on that. On the, no. Are those all Delato? It's like <laughs> in the back of the book, you had these, these great design sketches by, by Delato about like, oh, this is what the they, they were going to wear as far as like their stealth outfit. And here's... Right. here's and it's like... and and. That's pretty much the only place we got to see them. Everything else was like a fucking flashback. It's like, oh, we went to Latveria and fought these people, and this. It's like I could barely make out who wore what. I was like, what? The, this the war part wasn't even really 
It was it was more it's political funny. than anything else. It's like what the it's fuck? Like, it, well, it was a bunch of talking heads. I mean, that's is what it comes down to, and that's and ben, Bendis does that well. But, but who? But the Bendis um, may it, do what, it well. But why would that? Why do we need to see that painted? Well, because if you look at the last couple issues of that book, it's a bunch of repeated panels. It's, yeah. And panels that oh, were yeah, that, you're cro- right. that were they were cropped in different ways yeah. and repeated <laughs> panels, and it was just like I, I think someone just kind of pounded their fists on the table and said get this fucking book out <laughs> yep. and it's like oh okay we'll just we'll reuse these pages and that kind of stuff i just you, know, you just kind of get that feeling that it was like okay this is holding up everything else that we're trying to do so get it out things do fall apart yeah they do Whenever you're trying to, whenever you're trying to, you know, weave a web of of company continuity, and there are a few, you know, key miniseries or or key events that that everything hinge on, yeah, if that, you know, is really dragging, I mean, that can that can throw off a huge printing schedule. We saw, I'm, you know, on the DC side, I think we saw some stuff with that with Final Crisis, didn't we? Yeah, some stuff was just like shit. This has got to, this has got to get. This, at this time, or it's going to throw everything off. So. Yeah, coming up the works. What's up, 11 o'clockers? It's Haas. Just got some food for thought for you guys. You ever noticed the best books that come out of the big two are the books that don't sell? Really? Think about it. Well, peace out, guys. Later. Haas out. What's up, 11 o'clockers? It's Haas. You guys were talking about Stephen King stories adapted to other medium, and you guys forgot to mention, or maybe you didn't know, or hey, I didn't know. So, you guys forgot to mention Shawshank Redemption with Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman. It's a great movie. It was based on Stephen King work. So, just want to let you fellas know. Peace out, fellas. Bye. What's up, 11 o'clockers? It's Haas. Just wanted to say I've dug the new show. Also, um, just to let you know, Hard Times was a, believe, DC focus book. It came out with a couple other books. It focused on superpower beings in a non-superpower world. And I need to pick that up because I heard it's pretty good. Secondly, Vince, Breach is awesome. You got to get all 12 issues. Marcos Martin, the Javier Polito stuff. You enjoy it. So that's all I have to say. Later, guys. Peace. All right, I got something that'll perk up the perk up the crew, and something we were long overdue that we promised we would do. Wow, I have no clue. What are you talking about? Okay, so we did episode fifty, which is a Q and A. All right. Okay. We, we promised in episode fifty that we would do one or two questions from that thread a week until we finished up, and uh, it's now episode fifty-six, and we have not uh, done any more questions. So, what say we, we answer a question or two? Sounds good to me. Yeah, they do. Why don't you pick them there, youngster? All right. Well, let me see here. Uh, I gotta find the thread. <laughs> you think it's, oh. it's in the episode oh, archive? Way, way to bring it up and be prepared, Jason. <laughs> I like that. Nice. I think I we're still on the second page. Well, hey, while while yeah, he's well, looking well, for that, I went oh, to the episode okay. no, you do it. You do it. That's not it, though, right? Is that it? It's the episode fifty-two questions. It's the sticky thread in the archive. Yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna rhyme people uh, as uh, as the Jason last one we did. The last one we did was, oh, uh, oh, was Alex. Now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's let's let Chris say what he was gonna say. Oh, yes. I was just gonna. I, I want to remind people: if you want to play along at home, 
Uh, I'm starting the 100 Days of 100 Bullets uh, as this episode comes out, which would be like May 15th. So uh, if you want to play along at home, we're going to do 100 issues in 100 days. <coughs> nice. You find it yet, Jason? So we left off with Dallin's question, you said? Yeah, but you no, don't have to go Alan's. in order. Alan's. Oh, okay. Well, right, you well, kind of do because people were... Um, People asked their questions to see if, if anybody else asked it beforehand. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. One second. And just riff for a second, or you can delete this part. Uh, you know, I I finally read Ignition City 1 and 2. Oh, okay. Number two, I, was yeah. reading, I, was, I was reading number two tonight. Oh, totally enthralled by that book. Yeah. Totally. And it, it, it's so, yes, it's so refreshing to encounter a Warren Ellis protagonist that isn't a total freaking scumbag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she she has an innocence and and almost a naivete that the man just doesn't deal very much in. I I really like and she's hot belly shirt. I, I, I really she like was it. Going to start smoking and kicking ass. So okay. I was like, oh, been here before. Yeah, no, it looks good. All right. Well, let me just take care of this. The next question in the list is from Mister S, and it's it's right up Chris's alley. So maybe we should make Chris answer it, but I'll, I'll answer it just to get it get get on with it. Uh, F Mary Kill. Oh, these things? Oh. Yeah, which is next, why I'll just next, Yeah, it's Batman, question. Black Widow, Florida. Um, I'll just, uh, if he really is that interested, I would kill Batman. Uh, next question. I would marry it's already Batman. been done. Those and questions are, they're, fuck, they're fucking creepy. <laughs> Think about <laughs> that. Fuck, <laughs> you, you, you fucking sick bastards are getting all over my ass about fucking ratings of comics, and you're going to marry, or you're going to answer a marry, fuck, kill question? Come on. Wow. Okay, moving on. To I guess there's some logic to that. You skip Chad's. Chad. You know who I would F, F and Mary? I'll just throw one out there. The progressive insurance chick. Oh, I, Didn't I say that today? Dude, my God, I love that woman. Stephanie Courtney is so hot. The, 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 one, the one where she, she, uh, yeah. the, she thinks the guy's Flow, psychic. Whatever, yeah, oh, yeah. Is it, what am I thinking of? Tacos? <laughs> no. Yeah, she's hot. <laughs> yep. So she double David, dips. You know it. We did, Chad's buddy. Remember, it was uh, we talked about our grandmother's cooking. That's it. Yes, I'm sorry. About, you are absolutely yeah, so. correct. Okay, so the the next question to answer, and this is from our boy Daryl. Fuck it. Uh, two questions. First question: What keeps all of you guys coming back each week to podcast? Probably not the best week to be answering. Yeah, that really. <laughs> well, I so, would say I would say you guys keep me coming yeah, back. So yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I would say because it's. Uh, no matter what our moods and how snarky or not snarky we may be in a given week, we do all enjoy each other's company and, and more than that, do love comics. I mean, I, I feel a hell of a lot better now than I did two hours ago. Me too. Me too. And you know what? As a child, I don't know how it happened. I, I know the events leading to it, but you can't make someone love something. You could only offer it up and, and whatever they do with it, they will. But I fell in love with the combination of words and images at a very young age and I will take every opportunity to make people aware of what I think are good examples of that. Mm-hmm. And there's no better people to do it with than you three. How about that? Oh, yep. all right. We'll let we'll let uh, Chris lead off the second one of Daryl's questions. Uh, what does your family, wife, friends, etc., think of you podcasting? <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> My wife never thought we'd get past a month of this. She thought it was um, something that I would uh, 
do and we would all lose interest and it would be done in a month. Uh, my mom thinks it's neat and um, uh, my dad just kind of rolls his eyes and <laughs> uh, and my friends are, are pretty pretty supportive of it even though they're not comic fans. I mean that's um, I talk to my comic book fans every Wednesday and every other Friday. So you know people are supportive of it. They think it's neat whenever they you know, whenever I tell them how many people listen to AC and and eleven o'clock, they kind of, you know, are just like, "No shit, really?" I'm like, yeah. And um, it was with the convention that people really kind of um, realized that it was, you know, not just a hobby, but like a really serious hobby. So people were yeah. supportive about it, but um, it's kind of what you know Jason was talking about earlier. It's like, you know, oh, you read funny books, kind of thing. And and yeah, it kind of gets back to that the misconceptions of what kind of comics are out there. And so whenever I kind of tell them, so yeah, I do this, you know, these two weekly shows, and I talk about comics, and they're like, "There's enough to talk about." I'm like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, oh yeah. So, yeah. but no, it's a in all in all very positive. My my wife, uh, you know, bless her heart, she's got the you know patience of a saint with me with it. But uh, you know, she's she's fantastic. Yeah, I was just saying nice things about you, honey. <laughs> How about you guys? <laughs> well, you know, my wife pretty much accepts it. She doesn't understand it, of course, because she doesn't understand the medium itself. But she, as she kind of like throws me a bone, and whatever I get a, a kick out of, she just lets me do it. She, uh, there's no restrictions. But again, she doesn't really understand it. But the kids, the kids think it's so cool that there are X thousand people who who actually listen to us every week and and nina was like really i I thought it was just like you talking to your friends i said no we and i i I told her the whole process and she's like wow that is so cool and you know mark my words when she gets a little older i bet that nina will probably do something because the kid does not freaking shut up she's just like she's just like her mother she would talk about anything No, they both have diarrhea of the mouth. They they just she loves to talk about whatever at length, ad nauseum. And there are times in the day I'm like Nina, God, I love you so much, but please shut up. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, but uh, you know they they don't. The wife does not get the comic book thing. Mm -hmm. But that's okay. Yeah. Are, Are you? Are you? You know. Because Marta is not into it, um, and and Jason, I don't think that your wife is either, right? No, she she. I don't think she's ever listened to a podcast other than if she's walked into the room and heard me listening to you know one while I'm working or something. Right. Uh, yeah. I think much like like Vince, probably like a lot of wives, I, she she's totally cool with me doing it. I mean, she has no issues with it as long as it makes me happy. Um, I don't think she. She she almost finds it funny that so many people listen to us. <laughs> you know, she can't like she doesn't quite understand why. Uh, you know, that many people well, maybe not after this one, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> comics. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she just it's a uh, you know she just uses it as, as as one of the many hobbies and interests that uh, that I enjoy that she does not share. So you know, I I would have to say that I think the woman in the running for the coolest podcaster's wife. And I'm not saying this because I'm trying to make up with her for the whole Batman Spider Man bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. I, I, oh, yeah, I, I think cool. Renee is in the running for the coolest podcaster's wife. <laughs> Definitely. 
Yeah, she's all right. She reads comics. I can't say that about my wife. Me either. I yeah. try. And she's hot. But my wife, <laughs> she doesn't get, oh, she doesn't she get why I read these comics, because comics are supposed to be funny. Yeah. Oh, always funny. The, um, let's see, what, I think my dad thinks it's cool, um, or he gets at, he gets a kick out of, out of knowing that I enjoy doing it. My, my brother, uh, I think he downloaded a couple of I, the episodes from iTunes, um, but it's not something that, that he'd listen to on the regular. I'll, Renee won't sit down and listen to whole episodes. If I cue something up, she'll give it a listen. Like I played the, the end of last week's episode and, uh, and there are a few, few podcasts here. I played, um, the end of, uh, the first part of slots interview on word balloon where he was taught, where he was comparing uncle Ben and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm-hmm. Um, because I figured being a she Spider-Man could, knock yeah. that, that she'd enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but it's a, uh, it's totally crazy by the way. Right. Probably. I know. Hey, well, that's, uh, she married me. The, the, um, you do have a point. <laughs> yeah. See, my aunt has, when, when she goes in, uh, when my aunt goes to the comic shop and, and, and looks for things for me, she's mentioned it to the guys behind the, um, the guys behind the counter, which is why she ended up with a bunch of, um, copies of, uh, civil war in the, the issue where, uh, the bullpen Bolton's webpage was there nice. yep. so they were like oh that's pretty cool you know so if you and, and i have a few people at work that uh that know i enjoy doing it and they, and they think it's pretty cool but i mean for the most part it's not like it, some people are like well, well how much money you make doing that or it's like <laughs> it's not even it's not even a that it's just i'm bullshit with my friends and and, yeah. and you know people want to hear it that's the whole point but they should be asking how much does it cost there you much, go but no, I mean, every I, Renee Renee doesn't think it's something that you know. She knows it's not a phase. It's not something that I'll let him get it out of its system. He's uh, she, she's cool with me doing it because as much as she she doesn't smack me for when I go overboard talking about comics. But she know, I mean, she's not going to hear all of this crap. So if if, if she knows <laughs> I can get it on my system talking to hey. someone else or a couple other guys, then yeah. more power to her. Just you know, saves her mind, and I guess the marriage in that regard but no i no no one scoffs at it or looks down at it or goes what the hell's that so it's it, it's all pretty cool it's all pretty positive yeah. yeah speaking totally uh from my own perspective i'm not one to to do anything for an extended period of time uh case in point <laughs> the, the bullpen bulletins yeah but you know i have no intention of ever stopping doing this I don't know why. It's just, it seems like the perfect fit. It works. So why dick with it? Let's just keep doing it. I think, I mean, mean, that's that's something with, with around comics is that that's a very Chicago thing. And I don't know if, you know, if, if Tom and Sal and I are, you know, always going to live in the same town and the magic of that show is being able to go to Dark Tower and, and do the show there. So, you know, I'm, I'm, coming to the realization that I need to appreciate around comics why we have it because, you know, it probably won't always be there, but I think I'll always be able to call you guys up on Skype and talk comic books, so sure, yeah. it wouldn't shock me if if I do 11 o'clock a lot longer than than AC. It wouldn't shock me at all. If AC ever goes into the toilet, not wishing, <laughs> just saying, uh, Sal, I'm just, just speaking for myself, Sal and Tom have a place right here. Sure. Yeah, you are speaking for yourself. The, uh, <laughs> the very nice after also, that last episode I mean, it's, bullshit. It's, it's um, <laughs> I mean, as as great as it is talking about this hobby, this industry that that the four of us love, and 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 like Chris and and promoting the Hero Initiative, and and us wanting to give back to this industry that's given us so much entertainment and, and these creators that we all enjoy. It's also 
it's also somewhat therapeutic. It's like if, if, if you read a book or if you, or if you're on the forums and something gets you frustrated, then there's three other sounding boards when I'm, when I'm talking. So if, if some, right. if I don't see something, if I don't get something, one of you three is going to make sure that, you know, no, that you didn't, you didn't read between the lines or you didn't see this or why, why would that get you upset? It's like, you know, so it, there's a bigger picture and it's not just, mm-hmm. it's not so insular. So yeah, I'm, because cause we love each other. Case in point, I came into this episode mad as a fucking hornet. Word. Yeah, and it's gone. It's gone now. It is. Yeah, gone. I'm going to bed smiling. Well, nice. long long as the wife stays on the couch, yes, I will be <laughs> going to bed smiling. <laughs> hey, guys, it's BlazeFire33, and it turns out there is something else I do have to say. Uh, after Free Comic Book Day, I... Uh, picked up a a comic called Atomic Robo. I never heard of it before, but after reading it, I gotta say, this is great. I love the art. I love the story. It's very funny. And uh, if anybody else hasn't read this, I suggest you pick it up. And I'm actually going to start reading the series. So, that's it. BlazeFire33 out. Hey guys, it's BlazeFire33 calling in, and I just stepped out of the theater after seeing Wolverine. And, uh, well, what can I say without spoiling anything or sounding like a rabid fanboy? Um, action was good. Uh, I think the acting was, was pretty well done. Uh, the story wasn't bad. You know, I think they, they hit most of the important parts. And, uh,. I like that they had Mimic in that final fight scene. I think Mimic was really great. Mimic did an ex- I think they did an excellent job on Mimic mimicking people. Because that was Mimic. Oh, and uh, Wade Wilson? Yeah, I can't wait till they show him becoming Deadpool. That's going to be great. Well, that's it. And uh, I hate David. There you go. And I got past that. Nothing else to say. See ya. All right, let's. We got time for another one. Yeah, yeah let's do okay. one more. Hook us up. Oh, uh, so Daryl, hopefully we hooked you up. Okay, this one is from. We just had one from Daryl. Now we have one from Farrell. Uh, number one: How okay. have your reasons for podcasting changed from the day you conceived of the idea to now? Now I'll take a little creative liberty here since I'm asking the question. I think David and uh, David and uh, Vincent and, and yeah, I think you two should should throw in your bullpen bulletins experience and then chris i mean this is much more for you three guys because you you have a lot more experience podcasting than me so how have your reasons for doing it changed if they have at all since you conceived of the of the idea to do it yeah my reasons have changed the focus has shifted to primary from primarily marvel to a embrace of all comics which is what it should have been from the get-go i think right david yeah i, I think i think we should have had a little bit of forethought foresight Yes, foresight, and uh, tailored the show for skin, and 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 tailored the show to uh, include all types of comics. But we We weren't we weren't yeah we weren't pushed into it, but we were kind of gently nudged into the Marvel direction by certain people. Yeah, certain people, (laughs) and uh, no, it worked out well, and I don't regret it. I had a lot of fun of it with it. It this show would not exist if it was not for the bullpen bulletin show mm-hmm. and i i made a friend um pretty much of a lifetime through it no i'll, I'll give you props you, i love you buddy and and that's why well, you're you're, you're a, a huge part of why i keep coming back every week 
You're a pain in the ass, but I love you. I'm a pain in the ass. Just no, like our days in prison. That's right. Ouch. Um, but no, yeah. So now we talk about every kind of comic, and I'm fine with that. I, what more could you possibly ask for? Mm-hmm. And I, I got my buddy from Chicago. I got my buddy from Jersey, and it's all it's all freaking good. Okay. And uh, Farrell's other question is, if you had a non-comics reading family member, if, Jesus. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> well, he says not hypothetical, I'm assuming, uh, that you had one chance to convince of the validity of the comic book art form, which one book would you place in their hands? Oh, let me go first. Go Can ahead. I? Fables. Okay. Um, volume, I don't know if I would go with volume one, but I would probably, yeah, Fables. Mm-hmm. That that is the if there's one book out there that's going to convince the layman yeah. of the magic of comics, it's fables because half the battle is is already won. They know these characters. They've lived with them their entire lives. Yes. Mm-hmm. Only problem is that you just you you hedged a little bit there, and because you know that the first volume of fables is not the strongest. I know it's not, and it's sad. That's, prob- yeah. that's, that's the point. problem trying to get people hooked on that series. Because the first volume is okay. That's yeah. a great point. Mm-hmm. You're right. David, what would you say? Oh, yeah, you would have to pick me next. Oh, <laughs> shit. Because um, I saw you. Up. You're so tall. I'm you stand to, above. Uh, you know. <laughs> no, not according to Wood. The, the, uh, <laughs> See how I set him up? I set him up, baby. You, you knock him down. Don't hold a grudge or anything. No, no. no of I, course I, not. I, no. Water off the duck's back, baby. I just let shit slide. Um... Can't kill the horse twice. No, <laughs> just beat him in the pudding. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm looking at someone else. Go. I'm looking at my bookshelf, and I'm trying to see. You know, what the hell would I give to somebody for the first time? All right, yeah, Chris. Uh, it, it's going to totally depend on who the person is. Um, I, I just um, uh, had a, an intern that worked with me uh, several years ago in Chicago. Now she lives in New York, and she's she's very. Um, very artistic, uh, but she's also kind of nomadic. She likes to move around the country and never has really... Uh, yep, and I sent her sent her a copy of Local. Um, and I think for her, I think that will be a, a perfect introduction into the comics medium. Um, it, and most of... I think most comic book fans out there that are kind of listening to this question with a, with a raised ear are thinking about a friend that maybe has... Um, a sci-fi or fantasy background, but just hasn't read comics. I think a really good one because it's uh, it's pretty brief, it's pretty to the point, but it's it is wonderfully written and beautifully illustrated. And I've never heard anyone that has read this and not been affected by it. And that's We Three. Mm-hmm. But it's, let's it's, just... it's it's three issues. It's very it's a very quick read, but it, there's a lot of power to that to that book. Yeah, written by some dude named Morrison. But mm-hmm. is is there does there exist a work of in the comics field that is appropriate to every no new reader? No, uh, no. I don't know. There, there, I think there is. We just no, not not every. I mean, there's never no, meaning that that it's that is all inclusive. I and mean, I'm I keep my eyes keep going back to New Frontier, but it's it's dated. It takes place in in, in the fifties. It's like I mean, so what's it's still a great story, and it might get somebody interested in the medium. But it's like, why why not give them something 
I'm not saying that that's not a good first spot, but why not give them something more? I mean, I'm I'm thinking maybe 100 bullets just because it's mm-hmm. it's not it's not capes and cowls, it's not science fiction. It's just yeah. it's it's a pretty cool story, and and uh, and it's like you know that might be something that you might find in a movie or or in other mediums, but I mean to see it sequentially on a comic book, especially with the Riso art, it's a that might work. I mean, I don't think I'd give somebody Ghost Rider. DMZ, DMZ is another right. one that, you know, is, you could give that to someone who's very, you know, politically charged and and interested in, in current events and, you know, how kind of effed up the world can be. I think, I think DMZ is a, is a great pick. But what I found, and you guys have probably had experiences like this, is that the books that you give to people that you think that they will love don't always work out that way, but then you give them something else that you in a million years wouldn't think that they would like, and they come back and they're like, "That was awesome!" It's you know, it's like don't 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 hold your your friends, you know, short. You know, they they may whether they've never read um, superhero books in their life, they may love All Star Superman. I think there's one work, and it's not. Um a graphic novel. It's it's a sh- it's a short short story, but I think there's one that could convince even the hardest skeptic on the on those skeptical on the power of comics. Have you guys ever read Will Eisner's Casey at the Bat? No, no. It's a, it's a spirit story. So really? you yes, you have the, the spirit is in it. But if there's one work that could totally convince a person of the magic of comics and what is the potential of the art form and what is possible it's will eisner's casey at the bat hmm. it, it it involves ba- it involves baseball okay everybody knows baseball um naturally the spirits in it so there's a little there's an element of crime to it and eisner does things with the comic book mode of speaking that i i don't think many comic book artists have matched Jack did, but okay. But, uh, you know, Will Eisner, pretty much up there with the best of the best as far as, as comic book writer-artists go. Casey at the Bat, check it out if you haven't. It, it, it's a magical little story. and it's, is, it's it one of the, it, uh, is, it, is it in one of the archives? Um, I would assume it, 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 was reprinted, it was reprinted during the Warren run. So it, it's not early spirit. It's, it's late, mid or late period spirit. It is just fantastic. There's no panel borders, if I remember correctly. It may be the first one or two pages have panel borders, <laughs> but but once it kicks into the story of Casey at the Bat, he does uh, the panel borders disappear, and it's just image and text. So it's really subtle, and and it's not to to the average person they may not be well. This is not comics. Yeah, it is, but it, it it's very effective, powerful shit. Cool. It's, what uh, are you gonna say, Wood? Um. Well, two come to mind. Uh, Pride of Baghdad, uh, because it's it's somewhat current politically. Um, it's you know I think it's accessible to everybody. It's not over overly politicized. It's uh, so I think that wouldn't be a good one. The other one, um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which is ironic because I think probably a lot of people have seen that movie and consider it <laughs> probably have horrible horrible memories of it that haven't read the comic. But I think that's uh, again characters that if a person likes. You know, novels or any kind of fiction would be familiar with them, and um, you know, obviously, this is 
you don't get any smarter smarter dialogue or, or, or tighter storytelling than uh, mm. than the man himself. So I would I would think that would be a, a, another one to because uh, I think if they liked *Leave of Extraordinary Gentlemen*, there's hope that they would like some of the more you know comic-y things that that we we yeah. read a majority of. So yeah, *League's Awesome* boy, the new one out this week is. Oh, it came out this week? Damn, I can't wait. Finally, huh. finally. You, it's, oh, it's beautiful. Did so, you look through it? Yeah, why? The freaking debauchery in this issue, issue though. Holy <laughs> crap. There's oh, sail, yeah. sailors doing things to people that's like, whoa. Oh, shit. You know, I, I, I didn't notice the, the for mature audiences tag on it. Oh, oh, oh there shit. we go. Full circle. <laughs> Thank you. O'Neill's art pretty much guarantees it's for mature readers. <laughs> doesn't, say it, that, doesn't say it on the cover. That's all I'm saying. Does I'm, still pissed, back near like, I'm still pissed because I let Colin read Triple X Zombies. How was I supposed to know? Really? Did you know that Kevin O'Neill was officially banned from Marvel for a, a period of time? Really? Yep. Not, no. Yes, his no, art it, style it, was, it, was considered so off-putting an adult that they just Marvel wanted nothing to do with him. It was a, an inner office uh, thing where no Kevin O'Neill ever. Yeah, it doesn't say anything about uh, mature audiences on it, but it does have a picture of a naked woman on the back, which is probably a pretty good. There you go. It's a nice pretty. little painting, too. <laughs> yeah, it is a nice painting. So, All right. Oh, that was We're pleasant, done. guys. Sorry, sorry, sorry I got all you know, kind of snippy there in the middle. I, I, get, I get all fired up on you know stuff like, you know, all the, the 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 rating system and and all that. I got a little, I got a little fired up. So yeah, but we we shouldn't be talking about stuff like that anyway because we're much too aloof. You know, <laughs> it's it's beneath our concern. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> but it was it was good as always. Yes, I had a lot of fun. All right, thank you very much, people, for joining us again. And uh, while you're at it, hell. Read some Godland. It's going to end soon. Go. So read it. Yeah. Yep. Good call there. Read uh, Madam Sanadu. Let's see here. Read. I got two. Um, read Unthinkable by Mark Sable. Came out from mm-hmm. uh, Boom Studios this week. Uh, really enjoyed the first issue. So um, read that. And, and don't wait for the trade on Wednesday comics, you cheap bastards. Please don't. Um, just to piggyback on something Chris said, read Unwritten from Mike Carey from Vertigo. First issue, Ooh. 40 pages, only a buck. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was what? Unthinkable, unwritten, and... And Wade's Unknown is coming out. Unknown, Oh, yeah. oh did, it, did it come out today? Yeah, the Wade one did. Okay. Yeah. So if, if, if all, it has an un... With a variant Paul, Paul Pope cover. Nice. Yeah, all, all the un all the un books came out today. Don't to read, so read the unknown soldier. Yes, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, please, people, I beg of you, do me a favor. If you like the show and you want to do me a solid, read Scalped. Begging for you to read Scalped. Please yeah. read Scalped. Why is that in danger or something? Well, it sells nothing. But I'm hoping I'm, that it's well enough I, that it Jason. keep doing. And Jason will write yeah. scalped for yeah. as long as he wants to tell that story. And I tell you what, DC would be would be foolish, foolish 
Uh, I hope he lands on his feet if something happens to Scalp. Yeah, yeah, really. I, I, you know, if if I were yeah. DC, I would not be uh, I would not be eager to cut your last tie to one of comics um, rising talents. Right, you're here. And uh, if you would be so kind, we are two iTunes reviews away from cracking the hundred. Nice. Wow. Yeah. So uh, yeah, just stop on over to iTunes, write a review if you care to if you liked what you heard thanks a lot and uh push us over the hundred mark i always wanted to say i had 100 reviews we're not like the other guys with like 300 hey man we're all chasing my family so <laughs> we will see you next week people bye-bye bye 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 i like you too oh we should have told everybody to follow me on twitter uh Jerks of a lime green variety. Oh, yeah.